2: everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran, and I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. This is a way special anniversary. Everybody listening live, you know that we are hanging out today on the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech. And what I did today in honor of this occasion was pull up the I Have a Dream speech on Google, which, of course, all the wisdom of the universe is at our fingertips these days, and read it line for line and word for word. This is such a fascinating thing to do because everybody knows I have a dream, but most people don't know the rest of it. It's kind of like the Bible or that uh, UN FAO study back in 2006 that said that animal agriculture caused more uh, global warming gases to be produced than all transportation combined. We all know the sound bites, but most of the time, we don't take the time to get the backstory. And read the whole thing. And I just have to say that was the most uplifting thing that I've done in a really long time. Because, of course, I've heard that speech enough that I can hear his wonderful, mellifluous voice <laughs> saying the words and there was one line that, ooh, it just really, really made the hairs on my arms stand up. And it was when he said, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Oh, my goodness. There is power in the English language and power when there is commitment and conviction behind it. And as Dr. King was influenced and motivated by Mahatma Gandhi and what had happened in the previous generation in India. And one of our early wonderful vegan leaders, Dick Gregory, was so closely influenced by Dr. King. Dick Gregory was a famous comedian in the 60s and 70s and became a very powerful member of the civil rights movement, the human rights movement, the anti war movement. And and then also along the same time he became a, a vegan and ultimately a raw food vegan. And he had said that Dr. King taught us about rights and, and equality and 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 then Gandhi taught me that those same rights should apply to the mother cow and her calf with apologies to Mr. Gregory, that that's not a word for word quote, but it's pretty close. And I just like to feel myself inspired by all these people to take the mantle of what's been given me in this generation and this time right now to be committed to and get busy on. And of course my cause is, is freedom for these animals. It's to end the suffering at human hands of all of these other wonderful creatures that God has made and with whom we share this planet. And sometimes I tell people, you know, I feel like we in the animal movement are kind of where the people in the abolition of slavery movement were right about 1800. There was history behind them but they couldn't see the end of the road. And, you know, I'm not 20. I'm not going to live to see the end of the road, but I am just so, so grateful to be part of this now. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm so happy to have you as part of all this with me, whether you are someone who's listening to Main Street Vegan because you're interested in health or the environment or the yogic and spiritual aspects of cleaning up your diet or whether you're a person who's out to save those animals like me, welcome one and all, because it's all connected and it's all grand. You know, sometimes people say to me, tell me a celebrity that you would like to be vegan. And I'm thinking in the next few weeks of this show, I'm going to pick one every week because that's kind of fun. We all like celebrities. I have been watching that show, The Newsroom. Ooh it's really, really good. It's one of those TV shows that you get so caught up in that you forget about your own life. That's the kind of TV that's worth watching. And Jane Fonda is on it some of the time. And she is the person that I would pick to be vegan. If I could pick somebody this week, the reason being, she looks so good. And vegans age very well. We look really good too. But since she looks so good, I would like to have her in the vegan fold. So I'll just put that out there and we'll see how far it gets. So I just want to update you on what's been going on around here. We graduated the fifth Main Street Vegan Academy class this past Sunday, and it was so wonderful. These are all adults, but I kind of feel like they're my children, and it's just so cool to see the ideas they get and the motivation. Now, we're training them and certifying them as vegan lifestyle coaches and educators, but not everybody is going to work in that specific format, and some people are inspired to do other things. So one of our wonderful graduates, Kat in Dallas, if you're listening, I hope you are, Pat left here with the idea that she is going to make cowboy boots. You know, you look around the world and you say, what can I do? This beautiful quotation from Aristotle, where your talents and the needs of the world meet, there lies your vocation. Well, Kat has evidently found a vocation in cowboy boots, and everybody else is going on out there in the world to do wonderful things. Oh, it was so much fun. And as part of this particular academy, we did something special. We went to the Vegan Mainstream Vegan Business Boot Camp last Saturday here in New York City. Now, some people get confused, and they think that Main Street Vegan and Vegan Mainstream are the same. They're not. But I did talk with uh, the lovely Stephanie Red Cross of Vegan Mainstream when I was doing things with the Main Street title to see if she minded that we shared a, a syllable. And she said, no, vegans are taking over the world. And certainly there's room for two of us to have "main" in our names. Vegan Mainstream is established to help vegan businesses. You can check them out online, veganmainstream.com. They do a lot of online stuff, but they were having an in-person seminar last Saturday. So our Academy people attended that. I spoke on how to speak, how to do public speaking, one of my favorite topics, because you know, nobody should be afraid of that. Your audience just wants you to do well. They're actually there to support you. So we had a lot of fun that day. And then last night, I went to another fascinating event In Brooklyn, don't usually get over to Brooklyn all that much. I think it's for young hipsters. And eh, I go, sometimes I know young hipsters. So last night, my husband and I went to the Dumbo section of Brooklyn. That is down under Manhattan Bridge Overpass for a party to launch the 21 Day Vegan Blueprint. This is an online program put together by a gifted young vegan chef named Janae Claiborne, and it's online videos, recipes, and guidance for three full weeks for anybody wanting to go vegan, or maybe you've already started and want a little bit of support there. So I encourage you to check out Janae and the website, 21, that's just the numerals, 21veganblueprint.com. And finally, last thing I want to share with you we've been talking a lot about vegan fitness and bodybuilding and that big competition that they had down in Austin not long ago. Based on that, there is going to be a special collector's edition of Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine. If you subscribe to the regular magazine four issues a year, you won't get this one because it's a special edition. You can order it now on their website, vhfmag.com, or you can wait till it shows up at Whole Foods or, or wherever you buy your healthy magazines, but, ooh, it looks so great, and it's going to be awful of pictures that will inspire us all to get away from Facebook and go out and lift something. So, there's a lot going on in the world, and there's a lot going on right here at Main Street Vegan Radio. After this break, I am so honored to be introducing to you our guest today, Lisa Everett. She is a pharmacist and a certified clinical nutritionist, and she knows so much about so many things like your hormones and your thyroid. And even more reasons why we should leave the dairy to the baby calves. Stay with us and we'll be back with Lisa Everett and more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio.
0: We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support.
2: everybody. Victoria Moran here at Main Street Vegan Radio. I'm the author of Main Street Vegan, and you can find me all over the place, hanging out on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran. And I just joined Instagram. I was inspired by that business boot camp to join Instagram as Main Street Vegan. So I guess I need to be taking more pictures But right now, I'm going to give you a word picture of our wonderful guest. This is someone that I've known for a long time, that I've worked with for a long time, and that I admire like the Dickens. This is pharmacist and certified clinical nutritionist, Lisa Everett. She is vice president of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and the recipient of the 2013 National Excellence in Innovation Award for Pharmacists. She's the co owner of O'Brien Pharmacy and the Kansas City Holistic Center in Mission, Kansas, where she has a private consultation practice and in which she utilizes 38 years of experience in outcome based lifestyle, nutritional, spiritual, and pharmacologic intervention. Welcome, Lisa. Thank
3: you. How are oh, you doing,
2: Victoria? I am just doing so well, and I have benefited from some of your private consultations and just think you're absolutely terrific. Before we get in into what we're talking about here, I just want to get uh, some information from you about what is a nutritionist, because sometimes I feel like everybody on earth claims to be one.
3: And indeed they do. <laughs> um. I think in general, the line of demarcation comes from wanting to be set apart from uh, dieticians or the dietary movement that started 240 years ago, whatever it was. So that education is based out of the uh, School of Home Economics in the universities and their textbooks and their information is wholly funded and in part written by Cargill and the uh, food industry, General Mills, you name it. Nutritionists try to be uh, the, the um, uh, more uh, academic nutritionists. Are, their uh, education is based out of biochemistry, a clinical nutritionist is someone who can work, is recognized uh, for their work with people that have an ongoing pathology, so my certification is the highest level in that ability to work with people who are very, very, very ill. And it's a it's a postgraduate degree that's usually on top of a medical degree, such as pharmacy. There are some chiropractors, MDs, and so forth. Okay, so we'll trust you. We'll we'll just leave that
2: as our as our bottom line. We're going to trust you today. So, Lisa. Let's talk about dairy. I know that we have a lot of people listening to this show who are vegans or who, for whatever reason, don't use dairy. And you seem to know some things about that that goes beyond just the general, it's not meant for people and it causes sinus conditions. Tell us what you know about dairy.
3: Well, dairy products um, are the most, inflammatory food substance you can put in your body. And the more concentrated the product, the more inflammatory it is. It's the white stuff that raises every immune marker that we know of. The whey, the casein, and the lactose. So I don't know about you, but in my practice, I have a lot of vegans who don't realize that their trainer has given them a whey protein drink and that... They are experiencing um, some of the pain and inflammation and exacerbation of past chronic diseases because they have now been put on a whey protein drink, not realizing that it was from milk so these these white things cause not only sinusitis but cause. Um, are at the root of every allergy known to man and every autoimmune disease known to man. So, besides causing inflammation, casein is one of the proteins in milk. is one of the uh, is the most studied food carcinogen in the world. Casein consumption is becoming a bigger predictor. Of prostate cancer than PSA. The concentrating of dairy is an important concept. Back in the 40s when they started making milk available to everyone because of marketing to medical schools in the late 1800s, it was just milk that people drank. Cottage cheese wasn't in production. Um, They were, of course, the milk industry was looking for ways to use the trash of, of processing milk, like the whey stuff. So they, so craft came up with um, Philadelphia cream cheese, and it, the stories go on and on and on. But it takes 12 ounces of milk to produce one ounce of ice cream or one ounce of yogurt today. So when we eat eight ounces of yogurt, we have just consumed 96 ounces of milk. That is, that is three-quarters of a gallon of milk, and that was just lunch. That doesn't include the milk and everything that people put on everything else. So that according to the American Dairy Council, we eat ten times more dairy in this country than Denmark which is the country right under us that consumes dairy. And they eat almost 10 times more dairy than France, Italy, uh, Belgium, not England. England's coming up with us in their dairy consumption, but they still have a long ways to go, a long way to go. So we have, just like many things in America, have really overdone that issue. The other thing about dairy that's so important to we Americans and that we're suffering greatly from is that it is the number one producer of type 2 diabetes. These proteins are stacked with proline so that the amino acids are stacked so that the cow, the baby calf or the baby goat produces a lot of insulin for growth. It's a growth factor. But once the cow weans, then it doesn't, take in those growth factors anymore. The insulin is produced uh, based on food and dietary intake and so forth. So we chronically produce too much insulin, which then leads to the insulin resistance of type 2 diabetes. So it's a big weight gainer. Insulin makes you gain weight. There are lots of hormones in milk and in dairy products that are are very important to the baby mammal but are not meant to be consumed by that of another species. Women say, well, I don't want to take Premarin, but they're okay with eating yogurt three times a day. And I said, do you have any idea, you know, Premarin being horse urine, estrogens from horse urine, but they're okay doing the cow hormones, and I'm just talking organic you know grown cows um they're not okay um, with giving that up. they're not as okay with giving that up. If you yeah, add in we've... the growth the growth hormones and everything that are added to it, um, it's um a prescription for hormone based tumors and the, and growing any kind of tumor that you may, it could be a melanoma or anything they also, all of these things, also turn on oncogenes. They turn on oncogenes, um, stimulating cells to become cancerous.
2: Yeah, I've been studying that uh, with Dr. Colin Campbell. I'm taking the um, eCornell Vegetarian uh, Nutrition Specialist course, and he talks about that, that it's, it's one thing that we have the chemicals in the environment that incite the cancer, but if they don't have the nutritional support of of some of these animal protein foods, chances are that cancer is never going to develop into a full-blown disease.
3: Right. Um, We used to make uh, the the, uh, estimates based on quite a bit of information where that we made 40 to 80 cancer cells every day. Now it's 400 to 800 cancer cells every day whether or not they get kicked in. So we like to say that that you're 5% your genetics. So you come with your loaded gun. That's your genetics. But it's lifestyle and diet that pull the trigger.
2: Mm. Now, if anybody has questions for Lisa Everett, if you've got a question about your own diet, your own lifestyle, our toll-free number is 888-558-6489. So, Lisa, you talked about dairy being so inflammatory. What else causes inflammation in the body?
3: What else causes inflammation? Yeah. Stress. Um, Stress causes inflammation. Sugar. Animal proteins. Breaking down. The breaking down of animal proteins causes um, inflammation in the body. Being a, having an acidic diet causes inflammation. Of course, trauma can cause inflammation. Certain drugs cause inflammation. There are a myriad of sources for that.
2: So there's a lot of just watching and <laughs> clean living. Clean living seems to be the answer to so many things. Now, how about GMOs? Is that a problem? Should we be worried about genetically modified organisms? We should
3: not worried. We ha- it's beyond that. We have to take action. Uh, we have to take action. We have to get them labeled and then you want to avoid them like the plague, which brings to mind um, a book that has just been published. In fact, you can't even, you can get the e-version on Amazon, but you can't get the hard copy yet. Um, you can, if you call our pharmacy, I can give you the information, get the hard copy. But it is called Food Plague. And it is about these GMOs, written by a PhD soil scientist who is also a physician. And, and what we have found about genetically modified organisms is that they are at the root of many of the problems that we're, that we're finding. We're starting to see where well, the biggest the the biggest um, percent of or of um, foods that are genetically modified are modified to have in them glyphosate, which is Roundup. So every cell of the plant produces Roundup. So we're starting to see Roundup show up in the ser- in the urine of patients and the and the there are forces shall we say um, that have limited they don't want any labs to do roundup testing in, in people it's not it lowers testosterone in men by forty percent it causes numerous cancers, but the way that these pesticides or herbicides work, the way Roundup works is first by being a chelating agent, meaning it it globs onto, it attaches to the minerals in the plant and sucks the minerals out of the plant so they no longer have nutrition enough to live. Now they're putting that in your corn and your wheat now, I, I'm, shu- I'm assuming you see sit- Saw that all the wheat is contaminated now by genetically modified Roundup ready plants.
2: Wow, and, and we wouldn't know that because that's not on the list since the wheat is not itself genetically modified, but you know the wind blows.
3: Yes, it is, and that was just a statement by the USDA a few weeks ago. So it's all contaminated. The second way it works. So it weakens the plants, not just the weeds, but the plants we're wanting to eat, so that they don't have enough nutrition to fight off the bugs. So this Roundup stuff has created super pathogens in the soil, And and it zaps the nutrients from the food, which is why we eat. The other thing it does. has been shown to produce a new matrix, we can only call it a matrix, it's not a virus, it's not a bacteria, it's not a prion like mad cow disease is, but it is a living organism that we can't identify and it's very destructive, very destructive. So it's created that. He talks about that in this book, too, food plague. There are so many reasons that we must get rid of GMOs. So we know Crohn's disease is is hooked to it. Celiac is hooked to it. We know autism. So many things that we suffer from are because we've been exposed to these genetically modified organisms and the herbicides and pesticides. So,
2: organic food, heirloom foods, seeds that can reproduce, avoid non-organic soy, corn, canola, cotton seed, Hawaiian papaya, crookneck squash, and um, get active. Sounds like a pretty good prescription from the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. So, we need to stop now for our break, but stay with us because when we come back, we're going to talk about Hormones. Are yours giving you any trouble? We'll find out. Stay with us for more Main Street Vegan right after this.
4: When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rosemarie has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power you'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemarie's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music. It's the only thing that the whole world listens to.
0: Music speaks.
1: Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. So happy to have you with us today. I'm talking with Lisa Everett. She is a pharmacist. She's a certified clinical nutritionist. You can find out more about Lisa and her work at O'BrienRx.com. Lisa... You are an expert in hormones. You're an expert in midlife and the things that happen hormonally to women, and I'm presuming to men in their own way as well. And I know that you're a proponent of something that's quite controversial, and that is bioidentical hormone replacement. Talk to us about that.
3: Well, years ago, my interest and this, um, are you there? Yes. Okay, thank thank you. I thought I pushed a button. (laughs) Uh, My interest peaked when I experienced a postpartum depression after my second child was born, and that was back in the 70s, and so I didn't know, I mean, there just wasn't anything in mainstream medicine to help me except maybe tricyclic antidepressants, and I was nursing my baby. So I wasn't about to take those. But I hooked up with a physician in England, Katharina Dalton, who had done a lot of research and collected a lot of research on the use of progesterone and had ferreted out the differences between progesterone and and one of the many synthetic versions such as Provera or um, Medroxyprogesterone acetate which is very synthetic and very, very different from progesterone. But the problem is in this country, we're taught, especially in this country, that all those hormones are the same, that there's no difference when you manipulate the molecule. Furthermore, the reason that we manipulated the molecule was so that they could swallow the pill for American convenience. In Europe, they knew, and all of our physiology teaches us, that hormones cannot be swallowed. They're destroyed in the liver, and they're very liver toxic. But we did it anyway in the United States. And in Europe, they used suppositories, injections, pellets, lots of different ways. But they avoided first pass through the liver So I tried the progesterone. I made a pact with the universe at the time that if this helped me, and I had my doubts because I was conventionally trained, if this helped me, I would make sure that I shared not only my medical knowledge about this, but my personal story if I ever ran into another woman that had anything kind of sort of like this. And little did I know that I would run into 12 patients a day or whatever being in a large medical complex and that it would virtually change my career. I want to say, too, that the bioidentical, what we now call bioidentical hormone movement was called the natural hormone movement when my father started it in 1962. So we were the first pharmacy to do bioidentical hormones and we've gone light years away, 51 years ago, and we've changed and changed and changed and changed and changed what we have done based on a lot of record-keeping, a lot of tracking of, of people, and knowing, and, and also technology, uh, better technology becoming available. So so we go ahead? Well, I just had a question, but
2: I don't want to cut you off short. Go right ahead. Okay, so if a woman is in perimenopause, she's looking at menopause, do you advise that she look into bioidentical hormones or wait and see if she has symptoms?
3: I take that case by case. Um, By the time some women have symptoms, their uterus is already dropped or they're having to get a bladder sling put in, their bladder is prolapsed, and they were lucky in that they didn't have night sweats and hot flashes, and they seemed to be clicking along pretty well. But they have major physical other problems going on, such as elevated cholesterol, their blood pressure creeps up, they get weight gain around the midsection. They have, um, maybe they don't sleep well at night. They wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning, every morning, hard to get back to sleep, sometimes don't get back to sleep those kinds of things um, are very much a part of hormone deprivation. So I the answer to that is to take it case by case, person by person. Um, in general, I feel like, well, I don't just feel like, I know that we can't really say it prevents mortality, but... I can tell you that these hormones prevent much morbidity. For instance, I have a friend who's a geriatrician, or specialized in geriatrics. That's a medical director of several nursing homes in Florida. He gave his his patients on um, a multivitamin that I designed and bioidentical troches, in the nursing home who had been in his practice before the nursing home, deteriorated to the point of going into the nursing home being ambulatory, then going to crutches or canes, and then going into wheelchairs, blah, 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 the walker, the wheelchair. By giving them just those hormones and a multivitamin, those people began to reverse coming out of the wheelchair, back to the walker, back to this, and in 18 months getting on the bus to go to Walmart or wherever they go when they get on the bus. But here's the kicker about the morbidity. Here is the kicker. He was able to get them off of an average of seven prescription drugs, seven prescription medications. Our hormones not only can replace your blood pressure medicine and lower your cholesterol, build your bones, build muscle, antidepressants, sleeping agents. There's a receptor site on every single cell of the body for every hormone made. I think next year I'll be speaking at the International Anti-Aging Medical Conference. They want me to speak in the national one this spring, but I think I might end up waiting and doing the one, the international one in Aruba. And this information on hormones is something they talk about all the time, but I don't, I don't think they've ever had it presented to them in a way that I have, having done this since before I got out of uh, pharmacy school.
2: Well, let's it's- just explain for people that, that aren't aware. I think people who are listening who have been animal rights proponents for a long time, they know about the the Premarin, and, and they know about the pregnant mares and this horrible, horrible system that I guess is, is much less prevalent than it used to be because there's also synthetic hormone replacement in the traditional medical world. Is this correct? Correct, and But what you're talking about, it's not the, the kind of hormones that come from horse's urine, nor is it a synthetic. You're talking about something that, where does it come from? Is it from yams? Where do you get it?
3: Well, there are several places we can get them plant-based. But understand, plants don't make human hormones. So they have to start with the plant molecule and then they synthesize the hormone so we need to talk about the word synthetic when I'm using the word synthetic and when pharmacists and chemists use the word synthetic we mean that it is different that it is man-made and different than what you see in nature so you need to think of nylon or (laughs) acrylic sweaters instead of wool so you've still got a sweater, but it's not a wool or a cotton sweater. It's a synthetic sweater. It's made of a synthetic materials, but they're both synthesized in that they're made. Somebody's got to make them. So we take the plant molecules and take them through an enzymatic process, and out comes the human molecule. Thus, by now, the identical. one that's been used a lot is soybean oil. That's even what the synthetic ones were made from. The problem with that is it's all genetically modified soy that the drug industry uses. So even prometrium comes from that. So what are we talking about? In... We're using yam-based.
2: Okay. And there was research done, what, 10 or 12 years ago now, showing that women who did hormone replacement therapy got breast cancer in mm-hmm. greater numbers than women mm-hmm. who didn't. Mm-hmm. So what are we that? supposed to do with that information?
3: Well, first of all, um, let me say two things about that. One is they, the research was done on Premarin and Provera, and we know those were carcinogenic but they gave them to women anyway. So, of course, that's how it turned out. They did one arm of the study that had Premarin, but they had bioidentical progesterone, and those people did quite well. They had a lower incidence. And also of heart disease. So the thing is, is that these hormones, as they appear in our body, are Part of what keep, not just keeps us useful. if if they were carcinogenic, we would all have cancer in our 20s when our hormones peak. Well, that it makes sense. After, it is after age of menopause that women ever got breast cancer or men ever got prostate cancer. That's when you started looking for it. Pap smears didn't used to be done until it was menopause.
2: Fascinating.
3: The first first mammograms were only done on menopausal women. So our hormones, if they're done appropriately, are protective, are very protective. Now, secondly, I want to tell you, when they go back and look at all the literature, just in a letter that for one of my patients from her breast cancer oncologist, she discussed with my patient the the reviews are that even the bad hormone replacement doesn't increase the risk of breast cancer. That there are so many other factors. So what is the biggest factor? We we didn't see a lot of breast cancer in premarinized patients. What it is, is the hormones and pesticides in our food that are xenoestrogens, and they're a gazillion times more powerful than the estrogens that our body makes or that plants make. And when you don't have enough hormones or if you've been on a birth control pill and that's blocking your receptor sites from your good hormones or your good hormones are being suppressed, then guess what happens? The bad the bad hormones of the environment in the form of pesticides and herbicides and so forth attach to your receptor sites and turn on the oncogenes.
2: So what, so our what best protection is to have
3: our hormones in place.
2: What are the positive effects that you see with your patients in, who use the bioidentical hormones at menopause and after?
3: Well, we're able to reverse osteoporosis I was just talking with a patient that was at a minus four. She was a nurse practitioner when I got her. And uh, now she has normal bone density. It took about 18 months. Um, uh, It helps uh, restore eyesight. Many patients um, have to have their prescription glasses changed. It prevents macular degeneration. It prevents and treats and helps reverse dry eye syndrome. Um, It... Of course, helps your skin. It protects from colon cancer. Um, it r- helps run your Krebs cycle, which is the biochemical reaction that goes on in the mitochondria that produces energy. So any woman in menopause knows that her energy goes downhill. Restores memory. Any menopausal woman will tell you she can't remember anything and she can't sleep. So you go back, it is your progesterone and your estrogen and your DHEA and testosterone that keeps you asleep after midnight when cortisol levels start to spike. Because cortisol wakes you up. That's its job, is to bring you into a lighter plane of sleep so you want to get up at six in the morning. But if that's all that's in your body, then it will wake you up at two or three in the morning. It's the estradiol It's the estrogens and so forth that maintain that deep, that nice dream state, that REM sleep. And yes, you're coming out of deeper sleep, but you're dreaming, 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 and then you wake up at 6 in the morning. So that's restored. It drops your cholesterol. It helps with triglycerides. It um, lowers blood pressure. It will take the blood pressure back down. And we know the mechanisms. That's not just observed. We know mechanisms by which this happens we know the chemistry we know what it affects and the synthetic versions have the opposite effect on your body many many times so like they raise cholesterol and they raise blood pressure and and so forth so So, so, oh, go ahead I'm sorry no it's okay I was just going to say I mean I could go on for days about it but the the overall outcome is that women and men don't end up being put on those seven drugs that my friend was able to get his patients off of if they start their hormones at an appropriate time. And they have them individualized. I mean, I have a little six-part mantra about that, of considerations that we need to take into account if we're going to do hormone replacement. So, the first one, yes, is used bioidentical, but that's useless if you put it in a capsule and swallow it because your cancer risk, your blood clotting, all of that happens because the hormones are passing through the liver, which they were never meant to do. So, the second part is to um, give it in a dosage form that is appropriate, a, a, a route of administration that mimics how the body um, deals with hormones. Number three, is to don't try giving just one or two hormones. Make sure you give as many hormones as the patient needs because they all occurred in this delicate balance all your life. They all fall, including melatonin. So why would you put just one or two back in? That's a prescription for side effects and problems, migraines or whatever. And the fourth one is to individualize the dose. Going back to that question that you asked earlier, Victoria, it is important to sit down with people. I spend one to two hours, and my colleagues here, and the naturopath, and other farm, farm D, spend a lot of time with patients, learning their history, learning their family history, and custom and their bodies, so that we can apply pharmacogenomics, which is to give the hormones and the medications according to your biochemistry, your uh, liver capacity, because the livers end up clearing the hormones in the end, but you don't want to slam the hormones through the liver in the first place, or your kidneys and so forth. And the last two revolve around the, the terrain, We do not wanna take hormones in a vacuum. There's not enough nutrients in food today to properly metabolize or utilize hormones. So I want patients on a fish oil that's hexane and mercury free. I want them on plenty of vitamin C that is not emergency or one of those stupid synthetic ones. I want a patient on a multi that's equal to mine, although I have to tell you there isn't one. And, um, but I mean, with oh, I can gather a lot of products together and get the same doses, so that
2: they metabolize. I'm assuming a a, a DHA, EPA from algae.
3: Mine is not. Mine is from fish oil because we have to get. There's a lot of reasons for it. But for the vegans, I use um, flaxseed oil. And the problem with getting it from algae is we don't have enough algae in the world for all the for all the oils we need. So we're having to use multiple sources right now, and and we do use plant sources too. But you have to get a lot of dosing dosing in, and then, um. And then the um, other the the sixth piece, is to eat a food that is I mean eat a diet that is basically I mean when if I can get people to be, be vegan that's my preference. I've been vegan for thirty five years no longer than that since high school. So um, to do that, but to otherwise eat a a diet that is rich in, you know, a plant-based diet that's organic, that's low in toxins, and rich in nutrients. So if you do hormone replacement with those six ideas in mind, we have a breast cancer in my... I should have... In my population, for the number of patients we treat, I should have about 2,000 to 2,500 breast cancer patients that take our bioidentical hormones. We've had 10. 10. That's
2: pretty powerful. And I also remember, Lisa, once you're telling me that if you want to sit on a rocking chair and just enjoy your golden years, you can probably do fine with just Mm -hmm. a good diet and a nice life and don't worry about any kind of hormone supplementation. But Mm -hmm. if you want to get out and change the world and save the world and work like a 35-year-old, chances are you're going to need a little help. And it's wonderful that there are people like you out there providing the help and the knowledge This show could have been two hours long today. You've offered so much great information. If anybody wants to know more about Lisa Everett, bioidentical hormones, all sorts of nutrition, there's so much more we could have talked about. You can find her at O'BrienRx.com. She is out there in my hometown of Kansas City where all sorts of cool stuff is going on. And among the coolest, Unity Online Radio, the host of this wonderful program. So thanks to Jeff Comfort, our engineer. Thank you so much, Lisa Everett, for being our guest today and for all the people that you help throughout this country and the world. And to everybody who listened, thank you so much for being part of Main Street Vegan Radio this week. God bless you and eat your veggies.
0: Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.